Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Citizen First Podcast. My name is Jojo. In this episode, this is going to be a two-part episode. So it's two in one. The first part is me speaking to my American friend, Caroline from Florida. And she's going to be telling me about her personal view on what's been happening with the COVID-19. Mind you, this has been recorded in early May, so way before all this crazy stuff has been happening and the injustice that we have seen. Um, The second part is a follow-up to her and seeing how she's been going on with this ongoing issue with the rising numbers of the COVID-19 cases in Florida. And her and I are talking about how you know, the social unrest of the injustice that is repeatedly happening in the States. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's definitely jam-packed. Also, please follow this podcast for more content. I'll be appreciated if you do. And uh, I hope you enjoy. Thank you. So... Like, um, I haven't heard from you in so long, and I'm really happy that you accepted this. Uh, I really am grateful. It's nice to hear from you. I've been, it's nice to hear from you too. Thanks for the invite, you know? (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) Whoever's listening to this, so who you are and where are you at right now, I should ask? Well, I'm Caroline Stadler. I currently live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I've been in the Tampa Bay area for the past um, couple years, but I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow, Atlanta, Georgia. Born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Hell yeah. How was it like working, not working, but living in, being raised in Atlanta, Georgia? Like how, how has that been? Because I'm so curious, because obviously I'm Canadian and I live in the Ottawa right now, but like, I always see stuff from the from the movies and maybe the news and stuff, but I want to know from somebody who actually lives there, so I can't wait to hear. Well, there weren't any zombies, so if you're watching The Walking Dead, that's oh, the wrong yeah. impression of Atlanta. <laughs> but um, it was really interesting because I didn't live um, like right in downtown or in the heart of Atlanta. I live so Atlanta is the city shape um when you see it on the map there's this perimeter and then there's a bunch of highways going through the perimeter it's really stupid it's that's why we have really really bad traffic is because our highway structure is like horrible but so you have this perimeter it's like a circle and i'm from a suburb on the tip of the perimeter like on the north on the north tip Mm -hmm. and I am in Atlanta. We have this um, subway system, MARTA, which like always irked me that it wasn't actually in Walking Dead because I would always see like collapsed buses and like um, like train stop signs. And I'd be like, this isn't Atlanta. Where's, where's all the MARTA signs? But <laughs> anyway, so MARTA is the subway system kind of transit system of Atlanta. And so um, it's not as like intricate as the New York subway. It's really, really simple, but I could hop. We were the last stop north or we were the two last stops north was where my neighborhood was. So I could hop on the MARTA and be downtown in like 30 minutes. And I used to work downtown and I used to volunteer downtown. And it was really awesome when there would be like conventions in town or concerts. It would be really easy to get to. It was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. Oh, wow. 
So like when The Walking Dead would be filming? So The Walking Dead was actually filmed um, a little bit outside of Atlanta. Okay. I'm just making those jokes, trying to be funny, but... um, (laughs) Being now you're in Florida and that's how are the two two different? What are the differences that you've, you know, you've... Oh God. I think the first thing I noticed was the sky. Because in Georgia, it's you. There's a lot more hills, a lot more mountain ranges, and well, up in the north, there's the North Georgia mountains. But basically, there's a lot of hills and trees where you don't get like a. You don't see a lot of the sky. You mainly just look up and you see a lot of trees. Mm-hmm. But when you're in Florida, because Florida is so flat, you see more of the sky okay. at once. And that was one of the first things I noticed when I started living here and when I moved down is just you just see so much of the sky. The climate is a lot different because in Georgia, you get brutal summers, especially where I live. It's kind of like a hippie hotspot, <laughs> but it's nice. I I love it. and. I might go back to Atlanta in the far future, but right now, no. Yeah, right now, you're not going to do that. So I'm actually in the process of applying to go back to school. Um, I'm, I've decided to go back to school and get my master's in public health. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't expect to go back so soon and apply for the fall. I was kind of planning on applying for the spring, but then this pandemic happened. So I'm like, well... I guess I'll work in my graduate school application because I, I got laid off um, mid-March oh, because shit. of the pandemic. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. And so I've just been like, okay. So I've just been kind of focusing on grad school st- stuff like ever since. <laughs> so like right now you're just in the process getting that in. And so... You're uh, trying to survive right now with, with, with like, no job at the moment, correct? Yeah, I'm a lot more fortunate than a lot of other people in a similar si- that are in, like, similar situations where they've lost their job because of the pandemic. Um, so, because I also, my mom owns the house that I live in. It's not a fancy house. It's a bungalow, like, fixer-upper kind of deal. Mm. But you know, like, she still owns it, and so she's like, hey, like, you don't have to pay for rent during this pandemic thing, so. Okay, that's nice, that's really nice. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's been very nice. I mean, bills haven't been the same, but, like, there were a couple extensions, like, here and there, mm-hmm. but, yeah, besides that, I'm experiencing a lot of similar woes, the, how Florida unemployment is the worst, and it sucks, and just kind of like staying inside while some people go to the beach. Um, usual, usual Florida. The the stimulus check that you're getting from uh, the federal government there is it enough for someone to to live off? No. Okay, because I, I yeah I don't know no. what the situation is. So far, so we've only gotten one check of twelve hundred dollars. And not everyone has gotten theirs yet. I got mine, but that's, I also um, did my taxes through direct deposit. So I was able to get that right away. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, no, not everyone even has that stimulus check. But yeah, yeah it's and not enough. It so it's only twelve hundred, eh? That's it. And then yeah, well, like a one-time payment. One-time payment. Damn. Yeah, no this wonder. isn't even a monthly thing. This is a one-time payment of twelve hundred dollars. Well, they were gonna send a bill, right? They were gonna do a bill or something. I don't know. Well, they're gonna change that up. I got a letter um, mm. from the IRS saying, hey, like, you're the ones that's, like, getting your stimulus check first or something like that. And it was signed by Donald Trump. And at this point, I got it, like, last week. And this point, I already got my stimulus check, so I just kind of laughed. So, wow. Okay. Okay. But that's still obviously... So that's why a lot of people are protesting then. Because you... Yeah, because no one... You can't stay inside all the time. Like you need to make money to mm-hmm. pay your bills. And like I just got back into applying for jobs because I've been trying to get money from unemployment for the past month and a half, pretty much. And I haven't gotten anything. And it they it sucks because it really infuriates me because not only did the website keep crashing, but they make the process like as I feel like they make the process as convoluted and as confusing as possible. So the state won't give you money and they also make it really hard for you to get regular unemployment benefits. I mean, granted, there's been a lot of like leeway with this pandemic, but like, I don't know about everyone else, but I know that I haven't gotten any money yet. And I know a lot of other people haven't and it's just disheartening. So, I mean, like I got back and I, uh applied for a couple um contact tracer positions so i would pretty much um be contacting people who've been in contact with people who've had coronavirus and just kind of like doing contact tracing which is um which is more on the epidemiology side of public health like you're literally just talking to people and being like hey do you have symptoms um, you've been in contact with so-and-so people, you need to self-isolate and just kind of like talking them through it. So like, yeah. Oh, oh my God. I don't even know where to, I mean, I'm sorry that you're going through that. Um, that's really tough, uh, Caroline. Really I mean, yeah but like i said i have it better than a lot of people i know like i still have a roof over my head Mm -hmm. i have parents that will send me money for groceries like Mm -hmm. i'm i have a lot more privilege than a lot of other people right okay well yeah i mean i guess you could you're right on that there's definitely people who are uh struggling harder than others yeah it's it's hard to think about now because you know there's because there's a lot of people especially right now that have it worse than me and it sucks because i'm someone that wants to go out and i want to help everyone i want to help everyone get better feel better or whatever but that's Mm -hmm. not really in my power to do so so i just kind of like take a step back and just try to focus on my own sphere of influence rather than what i want to be my sphere of influence i guess Mm -hmm. but yeah i just focus i just focus on what i can control yeah but like they're not gonna give out more money to people 
Are they just gonna leave it at 1200? I don't know, actually. I, I'm, go I'm gonna Google that right now, cause, oh, there will be a second round in May 2020. Oh, will there be a second round in May 2020? There will be another one in May 2020? Uh, no, it's, the title is, will there be? So it's like questioning. Oh, but the thing is, <clears throat> why can't they give out more money towards the people who need it right? like because that's the reason why everything seems so disorganized when i when i watch it from afar it's just it's oh man so, yeah like i don't know what the heck i can't i can't the protests are um so so far the only protests i've seen are probably the protests you've seen were like the one in michigan and i think there was like another one in like virginia or something i don't know but um yeah, it's, first off, I don't even watch Trump's daily briefings. I forgot they existed because they're, they, it makes no sense to watch them. Like, they don't provide any useful information. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and yeah, all the governors are pretty much just doing their own things, which sucks because there's a political divide when it comes to, like, what states you see that are opening up and what states you see are shut down like a lot of the democrat states are still shut down a lot of the republican states are opening back up and it's it's crazy because i live in a red state and um i went to walmart last week and um at our walmarts they have like everyone where they have all the people all the staff wearing masks and they have like arrows on the ground that are supposed to point you in certain directions and um you're supposed to keep like six feet away from people but when i went in there they weren't regulating how many people were coming in and only half the people that were coming in were wearing some form of face mask and no one was paying attention to the arrows or social distancing or anything and like i was like I like ran home after I went to Walmart and I like took a shower and I was just like, Ugh. oh my gosh, yeah, here it's really infuriating. Yeah, I can I for you who's like in public health, like that's your background, right? Like you went to school and everything for that. It's uh, so infuriating as yeah. a person to see that. I wanted to like yell at. I, I didn't want to yell at them because I'm sure they're going through a lot right now, but also I wanted to just be like, what the fuck, people? Oh, my God. It's crazy. I, like, I won't leave my house for two weeks, and then I'll leave my house, and I'll be out in the world, and some people look like, to them, life hasn't changed a bit. Mm. And it's very disorienting. <laughs> It does cause a lot of stress and worry and, and anxiety. Like, um, like, what are the things that you notice that are different with the human behavior when you go outside in public? Like, what things have you noticed that are a change because of all this? Like, what are people, what are people doing? I, you know, I haven't really been outside enough to actually gauge what. Mm -hmm and I haven't really I don't think I've observed enough human behavior to kind of put a conclusion to that but mm -hmm. I think but I don't think the social distancing is going to last because humans are creatures that love human connection be it 
friendship, romantic, intimate, platonic, whatever. And they always crave, they, they crave that. And they, I believe humans eventually go back to that because that's how, that's how we thrive. We thrive off of helping each other and being a community. And so I don't, I don't think the social distancing is going to last. I think it's a lot of people are just going to use this time to take a step back. And then when it's time to come back, they're going to be like, oh my God, hugs and kisses and yep. all the stuff we're not allowed to do right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely a lot of picnics. There's going to be a lot of picnics. There's going to be so many picnics. <laughs> There's going to be a big world festival, music festival, where all the celebrities come in and everybody comes in. And it's going to be free, hopefully. <laughs> it's not going to be free. No, it won't be free. I think the money will go towards, like, the people who should be like... Oh, yeah. Well, I've been... I've kind of been reading this narrative recently where a lot of people don't want... Like, a lot of first responders are like, don't idolize us right now because this is our job. Like, this is what we're getting paid to do and this is what a lot... Of, they don't really have a choice right now. But they, I mean, obviously, they're very brave, they're very smart, they're very capable and strong, and I'm so grateful for every single one of them. But it's also like you need to recognize the fact that this is their job, and the best thing that we can do to help is to stay inside. Do what you can, but stay in, stay inside kind of thing. Yeah, stay inside and don't focus on idolizing the healthcare workers, focus on making sure we don't have to go through another process like this again. I see. It's like, okay, shut up. Get back inside. <laughs> it's like, don't, yeah, totally. But like how I find that the U.S. is kind of like some of the, some of the states that are fucked. Like, yeah, I'm in one of them. Yeah, like Florida's, I don't know what the heck. My little sister's friend um, actually um, no, it wasn't my little sister's friend, but UF actually had a couple cases, oh, and my sweet. little sister went to UF, oh. and they, like, came back from spring break with it. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah, the thing is real. It's out there, people. And they got, and they were, how did they, like, how are their symptoms? Do you know? I don't. Yeah. Um, I do know that they were quarantined, though, like, immediately when they found out. And that I think, the, and UF has obviously been contained because they kind of just all got sent home. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And because this is a new virus, we don't know the long-term implications and the effects of this virus. All we know is that it affects this parts of the body in this way, and it's only symptomatic in a certain amount of cases. And that's a scary part because you don't know like if someone's had it and is better or if someone's asymptomatic or, and it, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, which gives way to a lot of anxiety in this country. Yeah, yeah. So like now your plan is to get through school. Yep. So you got in or is it just the process? Uh, yeah, I'm still in the process. I have to take the GRE, and then once I take the GRE, I'm like, the GRE is so stupid, but that's another rant for another day. Do you feel the tension? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's going to be a second wave. Oh yeah, that's what... I definitely feel like there's going to be a second wave, and I have a lot of family members who live in Atlanta. Okay. And with Georgia opening back up, I know my family's okay, because they don't really have to leave their house they can still work from home 
-hmm. which is really great. Um, but that's not the case for a lot of people. And here we we are in phase one of opening up, I think. So they've allowed some businesses to open up, but not all of them. But it's still, I'm still staying home. I just, I'm, I'm home all the time. I never, like, I think I was watching, like, a commercial today or a TV show, and they were like, you know how sometimes it takes, like, an hour to commute to work? And I was like, not anymore. But, like, I've also been Zooming with my family, and I guess I've been making more connections, and I've been seeing a lot of people that I haven't, like, seen or talked to in a while. So, you know, it's also, I've noticed that this is a pause to kind of like come back and be like, okay, like let's focus on myself for a little bit and then come back. Yeah, I I noticed that that I feel like this whole thing has made people concentrate on themselves and family and you know the way how things are now is kind of like it's very different. So everyone is thinking about a lot of things right now, a lot of fear and a lot of uh, you know stress and the unknown. So it's making people go, you know what? what are the most important things right now? You know, it's food, survival, you know, being healthy, friends, family, you know. So a lot of people are more concentrated in, like you're talking to people maybe who you've never spoke to in a long time or just friends or people who are just talk, like us right now, I'm talking to you. And it's not because of all this epic this epidemic thing but i i always wanted to talk to you it's just funny now that we are talking in this yeah <laughs> this crazy times like oh my god so many times we could have had like a discussion on anything because you're very um political i feel like you're very um yeah i'd say so yeah <laughs> yeah very, there's a better word than just political but i think you're very socially active you're very aware of the atmosphere and the, the temperature of what's going on well thank you yeah being able to stay inside and connect with a lot of people is a privilege because there are still a lot of people out there who are working very hard and they don't really have a choice but to so it's it's interesting because i feel like this pandemic is revealing a lot of inequities in our society that a lot of people weren't aware of before yeah and you know what I've noticed too with all this? I'm probably going to talk about it more with my other friends too, but like it's going to come up where people are more appreciative of teachers. I like, sure hope so. God, yeah, teachers I, deserve teachers deserve the world before this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Especially like I feel like teachers in the North like North America, teachers are usually falling they fall in the cracks sometimes. They don't get enough pay for what they're doing and there's not enough funding for a specific school and undercut like a lot of cuts in the educational system in some areas it sucks because there's a there's actually a lot of i think articles out there and documentaries that kind of document um the experience of teaching in america but there are a lot of teachers who are underpaid and they're not and they are undervalued they're digging into their own pocket and also it's a matter of where you live where you live is a huge determinant of health and wellness and education and because of some red light with because of redlining when mm -hmm. they restricted um the the neighborhood inhabitants and segregated it by race or culture or what have you mm -hmm. and 
redlining resulted in all these concentrated areas of poor communities, whereas you had all the other people like living in the outskirts of the suburbs and being rich and like having a good time. And the public school system are, they're funded by the taxes of that area. So if you have a school in a low income area, you're not going to be getting a lot of money from taxes compared to a school in a higher income area. Yeah, it's all like, it's all like a devastating cycle. Um, it's, unless those things change up, but I feel like, just feels kind of, I mean, it just, it seems sad. It seems kind of like, well, this keeps on happening. Why hasn't it changed? Because, yeah. I mean, I think it's because no one's really woken up to it yet. Mm. I feel like this pandemic is waking up a lot of people about the current stage, but about the current um, climate of our society. Mm. And with more knowledge comes the realization of like, well, what do you want to do about it? Yeah. Like, you know, and hopefully some change can happen because I'm down for some change. So there's people like that with you in there. So with that in mind, people with that same mindset as yours gives hope. And I know hope sounds so cliche and so like, you know, overrated, but it's like the most powerful thing when you don't have anything, right? So I don't think it's really the attitude or the heart. I think it's really the intention. Like I intend to go out and help people in my community and in my life and hope, and I want to attract people around me that have similar intentions to go out and put them, put their best selves forward and try to help people. And so I feel like it's less of a nature thing, more like something that you can, that everyone has the ability to come to just, you know, stepping up and helping others. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. If you have the intentions, then your actions will show. So when, hopefully this thing, when this whole thing ends, when it does, what is something that you would like to do afterwards? Like, what is something that you're really craving to do but can't? Is there anything? I yeah. would love to go up to Atlanta and see my family and my best friend because I was actually planning on doing this when the pandemic hit. Mm. And when the pandemic hit, and here locally, it was around mid-March, and I was supposed to go to Atlanta like the week after and visit and I did not get that chance and I I was able to see my mom for a little bit of time for about two weeks which is really good but I want to go up and I want to see like everyone right so I'm really looking forward to that so you're a big family person that's good yeah 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 I guess so <laughs> maybe you didn't realize that <laughs> maybe, maybe not yeah <laughs> yeah it's good because you know yeah, that sucks. You're about to see women and all that shit happen. But yeah, but you know, I have um, some good friends and my roommates, pretty much like family. So it works out. I'm still, I'm still good. I'm good. How do you feel me talking to you? Does, does it feel like an interview? Does it feel weird or? No. Um. I. I mean, I. I practically grew up in a radio station. Oh. Okay. So. <laughs> 
I'm very used to this. Radio station. Kind of stuff. What do you mean? Uh, my dad, um, he worked. Well, he worked at a radio station at the same radio station Atlanta for about 25 years before he moved before he moved on to a couple different jobs and now he works for iHeartRadio but oh. mhm but he did he mainly does like news coverage and weather and stuff and but yeah he worked at this one station in Atlanta and I would just like be be there as a baby and like growing up throughout my life like I sold Girl Scout cookies to Haley Williams of Paramore not in person I didn't meet her in person she she saw my Girl Scout cookie sheet and bought cookies from oh. that sheet oh nice but it was still pretty cool yeah yeah hey you can't go wrong with Girl Scout cookies right come on I know right yeah you can't can't go wrong with that come on now. well what have you been up to what have you been how have you been feeling with this coronavirus? Well, it's, it's been it's been interesting. I mean, I I, I uh, I'm working from home and I'm trying to survive like anybody else. Uh, yeah. What are you looking forward to do? Um, buffet sushi. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool, man. Uh, oh my god, like travel. Like, uh, maybe not, like, around, uh, yeah, travel would be really cool, but I want to go back to Toronto and just eat. Oh, yeah, just go <laughs> to Toronto and eat. Just eat. You you, you got to come, you got to go to, you've never been to Toronto, right? So you gotta, I've never been. You know right. what? After all this stuff, I'll come up to Toronto. Yeah, 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 do it, do it, do it. That would be so sick. Um, wanted to say, oh, yeah, if I were to go to, Florida and Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. What is it that I have to go and try out? No matter what, I can't leave without trying it. So this is going to sound like super touristy of me, but I definitely think you should go down to Centennial Olympic Park and then go to the Georgia Aquarium and the World of Coke and but definitely, if you don't go to the Georgia Aquarium or World of Coke, go to the Civil Rights Museum. All right. Okay. That hands down is amazing. It is so good. And it's in Georgia. Yeah. It's there's this little um because I used to volunteer at the Georgia Aquarium. Yeah. Like a while ago, and so there's this little kind of like park area. So you have Centennial Olympic Park, and then right next to Centennial Olympic Park, you have the World of Coke. And then across a field from that is the Georgia Aquarium. And then kind of like a triangle, like the point um, like between Georgia Aquarium and the World of Coke is the Civil Rights Museum. Wow. And that is pretty awesome. Um, Ponce um, City Market, I heard is pretty good. I haven't been because I just, I feel like every time I try to go, something happens and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird but what's it called ponce city market okay ponce city market so it's like a place where you just go and buy stuff or? yeah pretty much okay. it's pretty much just like a place where you go and buy stuff okay ponce city and that's where's where's that ponce city market oh god i wish i knew i but I what think state it's, it's it's which state is it is it oh atlanta georgia okay, sorry it's atlanta. okay yeah, yeah, yeah i'm talking about georgia right now okay okay georgia okay okay georgia Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's sick. 
I always wondered, like, I was like, I don't know many people from, I don't really have a lot of American friends. Do you have a lot of Canadian friends? Um, no, not really. There are a couple people I, I've known, like, growing up who were Canadian, but, like, I don't have a lot of Canadian friends. Most of my friends live in the States. A couple live in other countries. Yeah, around the world. It's cold right now. Like, it's supposed to be spring, but it's, I feel, I feel cold. Oh God! What's the weather like over there? Um, let me just double check what it feels like. I have my weather channel here. Uh, uh, you're you guys do Fahrenheit, which I don't like. It's nine degrees right now. So nine degrees. What? Nine degrees. Nine, nine degrees Celsius. But that's so nine degrees. Celsius. Oh wait, that's right. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, nine degrees Celsius is what? It's um. It's um. 48 degrees Fahrenheit. Whoa. Yeah, that's Fahrenheit. <laughs> Good. That's fucking cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cold right now. <laughs> it is no. not 48 degrees here. It is like, what's the temperature actually? It's 75. No, it's 81. It's 81 right now. 81? 81. So 81, is that like 20? Oh yeah, that's right. Hold on, let me do the conversions. Yeah, I I I have. Let's see. It is twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Okay, so you said forty. Yeah. Damn. Wow. 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 Yep. It's it's hot out here. We've our um because my roommate and I we like to go on walks sometimes, and we've pretty much like only started walking in the early early mornings or in the evenings when it's cool when it's cooler it never snows here and that's one thing that is a bummer but if it snowed here there would be chaos i bet it would feel pretty disorienting like going to christmas and then maybe going to the beach later have you experienced cold like that like nine degrees or like even lower no No? i don't think so like i think the coldest was boston that i've experienced so that was your first time feeling that cold yeah. And then that was your last time. I think so. <laughs> okay, so you have vivid memories for sure then. <laughs> oh yeah, it was pretty traumatizing. Oh my god. It was pretty traumatizing. I my I'm not a fan of my butt being frozen. Yeah, I remember I had to go I remember when we walked from yeah, the two hotels or something and it was like blowing wind and ah, oh, so bad. Um yeah. Are you not hungry? You must be hungry now. Yeah, I'm actually really hungry right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will end it with you with that. Thank you so much for uh, talking to me and doing this recording, this podcast. Uh, It's my first time. So yeah, you had the pleasure to be the first person to podcast with. And I hope you, uh, you enjoy yourself and sleep well and eat well. You too. Yeah, thanks, man. It was great talking to you. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. This is awesome. I'm going to talk to you later. We'll, we'll oh, yeah, we'll talk in, later. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk touch. later. We'll keep in touch. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye, friend. Okay, so obviously, welcome back. Um, I'm happy that you uh, accepted my invite again. Uh, it's been a long time since kind of we spoke uh, through Zoom. And it was the first, second week of May, and that was a while back. Things have obviously changed. So how, how was the, what's the status right now going on in Florida, Caroline? (laughs) It's good to be back. Thanks for inviting me back. Um, 
Florida, I feel like, is kind of like a wild west right now in terms of the pandemic. Um, I, I was able to go back to work um, sometime mid-May. And um, I've been at work since, and we've been, and we are a food, I work in the food services industry, I work in the kitchen, so we've been like really diligent on cleaning, we bleach every surface, masks are required, we change our gloves like 50 times a day and wash your hands in between. Like my hands are so dry and cracked with how much like I'm sanitizing and washing them, it's insane. Um, but you know, besides a lot of the social unrest in the pandemic and all, I've been pretty good. Okay, so that's that's really good. And um, I'm glad- What that- about you? I mean, I mean, doing okay. I, it's, it's, um, like I was working and things are kind of slow now. So it's just trying to find another gig kind of thing. And things are starting to kind of open up a little bit here in Ottawa. Um, yeah. So here in Canada, I think we're kind of just on stage two of the process of, of opening up the economy because a lot of businesses have been trying to open up and they've been aligning with the health providers and organizers and experts too to kind of uh, do it diligently and safely, right? So Mm -hmm. we're very cautious on what's happening. I'm seeing a lot of people going to patios and obviously doing their thing with the safety measures, but I, I still don't in my opinion, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go yet to crowded places just yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but you being, I, I, I just, I, I really wanted to dive into like how you've been, um, first of all, I want to say how it's good that you got a job. I'm, I'm glad that you're working now. I know it's been tough for you guys, um, especially in America, because your politics are, complete different and everything there is complete different and uh i find it very it seems problematic there based on what i see on the news and everything so kudos to you on thank you i guess yeah well because because it was you were uh because before during the the first time we were talking we you were um i should should remember that but um I was dealing with a lot of unemployment stuff, yeah. Yeah. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And did they, just to kind of go back to the stimulus package for people who, you know, who need it or need help with that, did they send out another check to the the federal government of America? Did they, you know, did they send out another check for people? Was it just a 1200 <laughs> So a lot of people... From what I've heard, a lot of people still haven't received that first stimulus check, and then there's a lot of people that have. I received my first one. Um, I think there's another one in the works, but I haven't heard anything like prom- super promising yet. I'm actually Googling it right now to see what's going on. Stimulus check to, will you get a second payment from the IRS update so far? Because it's not like they send out like a notification like, hey, we're putting money into your account like they it's just like whoever gets it and also apparently the irs sent a lot of people who have died oh stimulus checks too so that's a lot of money that isn't being used and isn't being circulated right now okay wow so it's crazy damn 
um yeah because like I, I, I don't i'm very it's very stressful to look at what's happening um across the border here uh, to see what's happening with america <laughs> like i don't america. know how you, america florida you you america america oh my god i mean there's so many questions but like how are you dealing with it all like i know you're doing okay but like with it's, the whole yeah it's been really frustrating because as someone who works in food service right now um and has to wear a mask at work work and go through all these safety procedures i get customers that don't wear a mask and they're just kind of like what virus and it's just like really frustrating for me to see that because i'm i'm a public health person i'm all about wearing a mask i'm all about like also this is a, still a new virus so we don't know a lot about it we don't know a lot of the long-term term implications and so far a lot of those long-term imp implications are proving to be very very um just kind of damaging to a lot of people who recover from coronavirus to their overall quality of life and so i'm seeing all all this and then i see people who don't wear a mask and i'm just like what the hell are you doing why aren't you afraid that this coronavirus you're going to get this coronavirus and have to get a lung transplant afterwards or you might get a stroke if you get coronavirus afterwards why aren't you using a mask as like a fashion statement like why aren't you like using it to like do up your wardrobe and there's a lot there's this big message going on right now where it's a mask is like a sign that you respect other people. And there are just like so many people who don't care. They aren't wearing a mask. They say it's gonna kill them when it's not. And it's, I don't like calling people stupid, but <laughs> I just see that and I'm just like, oh God. Why is it like, <clears throat> I think there's something here too as well, people and I, there's like you can see two different types of people who wear a mask and who don't wear a mask and people who don't wear a mask i think they just think maybe it's not a big deal for them um i don't know if it's political here i don't sense that it is but i know for sure there's a political statement from what i see uh in the states and i think it has to do from from the top right so what what, what do you think of that like i i know that's a really kind of heavy loaded question but like do you think that politics kind of plays into this whole wearing a mask thing? Oh, absolutely. I feel like the Trump administration and a lot of people who don't believe the virus exists have turned this into a political debacle. And, our, and Trump's not going to do anything. He's not going to make the states shut down. He's not going to make the states like have like mandatory mask orders everywhere because he like, is even like skeptical of the virus which is really concerning and the governor the governor of florida was even like oh mandatory mask orders won't work and it's like it's not like scientists predicted that we can prevent a second wave with just wearing masks alone like everything else like going about it as long as everyone wears a mask like everything else be the same it's just it's baffling it's a little thing that you can do every day but it's, a big it's 
Yeah, it's a big deal for some of them. Like, um, oh my god, like <laughs> I'm I told you I sent you that video. I don't know. I know you've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I just wanna I Yeah, I wanna let's um let's see if this works and let's see if you can hear this. I just wanna play a small clip <laughs> of it and and let me know if you can hear it. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, those are um, difficulties there, technical difficulties. Let me just uh, resume what was happening. Um, no so, problem. Yeah, so let me know if you can hear this. Gotta breathe. Yep. Let me see. Did you hear that? I don't wear a mask. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't un- wear underwear. Things gotta breathe. <laughs> Is it, isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. It's really interesting how they cite um, like their Christian beliefs and God and saying that they're all worshiping the devil. Like it's, I, I, I feel like that's a typical response to this from that population, but I still find it really interesting because it's, I feel like it's, it's just kind of indicative of like this rift in inf- of information in our society. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. Like hearing this comment of this person talking about dogma, like that they're trying to shove down our throats on every commercial and every store, and it's disgusting. Every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested, and you, doctor, are going to be arrested for crimes against humanity. Let me ask you. All- I don't. I, okay, so this these are people in florida right so yeah mm-hmm. in palm beach county i think palm palm beach so I, I, do you have a sense of like people who think this way where you when you are like is that how people really think and and <laughs> like i can't i don't i'm kind of i'm struck by that a little bit i've definitely experienced um these kind of behaviors ideals like in Florida in general in my city like I was driving down the street the other day and I think some oh yeah no it was Trump's birthday and a couple people were like waving Trump 2020 flags like on the side of the road and like it was like crazy but for the anti-maskers I haven't seen like any extreme out like actions against it out in public, but that's mainly because I only go to work and then I go home and I don't really go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I did experience one of my customers the other day, like she, we were doing the whole thing, sanitizing. I was changing gloves and she was like, oh man, it's crazy what the world we live in now, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, but it's new normal. She's like, I refuse, I refuse for it to be the new normal. And she just kind of like laughed. And I think I accidentally gave her a look that was like, um, and I think I, I do that a lot and I'm not super proud of it. But then she was like, oh, I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I, every day I'm always learning new things from, not, I'm not trying to like, <laughs> be like you know being super negative towards america like we have problems too on our, on our side too but like there's always something going on that it's like so shocking to hear from down down the, the cross the border from you it's just like oh my god what is happening like what is going on why why i don't understand why it can't just be like hey uh 
let's let's put this as a mandatory thing like let's just get this done and let's not live with this forever like let's just get it done so yes it's gonna suck that you gotta do certain things that are different but we've been dealing with this for the past three four months now right so let's just suck it up and just go through it so we can like go to the new normal or whatever it is just go uh be healthy you know so i don't know what's what's happening with what's going on so it's it's i feel like it's tied a lot to american individualism and how just how we see ourselves and present ourselves as citizens of america and everyone interprets that a little differently so i think it's my civic duty to wear a mask out in public but a lot of people say it's their civic duty to choose not to and it's And a lot of people I feel like are set in their ways. And when you're presented with such a drastic and traumatic change as this pandemic, as the social and racial, uh, as the racial um, conflicts that have been become more tweeted about and reported on recently, when you, when you're confronted with something that you're not used to on a daily basis, like, yeah, like us. And a response is going to be like fighting back, which is understandable. And I feel like it takes a certain level of humility and like emotional maturity to be like, hey, I was wrong. Like I can wear, I'll wear a mask now. I get it. And also it takes, I feel like it takes a little bit of that to kind of take your pride out of the situation too and be like, hey, I don't like this, but like, I'm going to do it because it's what I should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, think, sorry. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. And I feel like there's probably a couple of people that just genuinely like care more about their personal freedoms and the lives of others, which is unfortunately like a thing. Yeah, there's definitely pride into that. And then obviously pride and ego can, yeah, that definitely be dangerous to, to others. And um, yeah, it's like a new thing now. We're in Asia, they just wear masks sometimes just so they can be polite because if they're sick maybe they don't want the other person sick and you know it's kind of like you know it's interesting because they so they actually had an outbreak of SARS earlier in the 2010s I believe I think it was 2000 it was early 2000s 2006 2003 yeah okay yeah it was around that time and I remember like hearing about SARS and hearing how much of a big deal it was because this was also at the time it was also a novel coronavirus obviously it didn't reach pandemic levels like the COVID has but it did affect Asian society enough to instill that they wear masks even if they just have a common cold like just out of that respect but they also went through a period of time where they had to wear masks to protect other people Mm -hmm. and this is our first time going through it as a nation yeah and they do it Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say, and they do it like like regularly. It's like not even a big deal. But yeah, Western Westernized culture is like it's a, it's a different thing, and and people are like, oh, I can't breathe in these masks. I can't breathe, and then people will argue. Well, what about the nurses who wear the mask like pff, all hours. the time anyway? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, not- it's ironic. People are forgetting about the first responders they were praising so much earlier in the pandemic yeah it's it's nuts and I, I i was just because i i'm always seeing how like i always check in to see how everything is going and to know someone who is an american like yourself it's kind of to it's i'm good i'm glad that i'm talking to you about it because 
I can I can't know everything, and it's good to get your perspective because then I start to, you know, see it a little bit more clear than just watching it on the news and just having you talking about the experience, what's what's happening in your state in Florida, um, is is definitely something that I I like to get more insight of. So, do you find that there's going to be do you do you sense a lot of tension? Like, do you sense that there's something going to happen? Not to kind of egg on it, but like, what have you been gathering from the last time we spoke from early May till now? Like, what do you kind of sense? There's definitely been a lot of frustration in our current climate, especially with um, the Black Lives Matter movement becoming more of a forefront. And I'm a full supporter of that movement. Like, Black Lives, like, fucking matter and like arrest the Breonna Taylor's murderers and Elijah's and there are so many names and it's just so heartbreaking and there's a shift going on I feel like in the United States because of this movement because a lot of people are hopefully waking up to their prejudices and privileges and biases and how they can be actively better at like being actively anti-racist. And so I really hope that's happening. I definitely have tried to do my part in becoming actively anti-racist and and a lot of people I know have, but I'm also um, a liberal in the United States. So I'm going to have a lot of friends that support the Black Lives Matter movement but I also know a couple people who aren't for the movement and have their their own um, thoughts and opinions on it. And it's just been this dichotomy of thought. It's just been this rift, really, this growing rift between these two political parties, even though we really shouldn't be married to the idea of these political parties. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I um, it's it's definitely a lot of political identity, um, debates too. Like if you, like, I find that 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 being very dangerous too because you could, I'm sure there are people who are Republican who do support it, and mm-hmm. and a lot of liberals who may not support it. So there's there's that, and I feel like the media does really paint that black and white picture very vividly so it's kind of like oh well if i'm liberal then that means i am this type of person and i'm going to be against you and i'm sure there's a lot of people who are conservative or you know republican or whatever and and do not agree at all of what the the guy in the office is doing and his his whole administration so and uh, it's good to not play into that political uh, identity, uh, you know, theater. It's just not that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, well, the Black Lives Matter, I mean, the last time we spoke that, there was nothing. I mean, Black Lives Matter was already. It was already a thing. It was already. It wasn't, yeah. There weren't protests going on at the time. Yeah. On such a large scale. Yeah. Um, I had like uh like I spoke to my dad on the podcast about that a little bit and I've spoke to people like just behind the scenes and everything. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of people online speaking, talking 
uh, mostly white friends who are doing it um, and voicing their opinions and stuff. And some of them are, you know, upset about the rioting and, you know, I had to kind of, sometimes I don't want to go and just start talking and putting my voice on their comment sections. I just, I don't want to, I'm kind of tired of it. I, yeah. I, I, I think people have to understand that there's a huge commentary with the history of everything. It's not just one incident and then do these things. I think there's a lot of multiple stuff that is happening at once. I think that we have this whole, this history, this, this trauma that uh, Black folks carry and they deal with it all the time and people of color. And so when this happened, it just blew up like, uh, like, a, like a bomb. So um, don't know if you can still hear me. Am I cutting, cutting off? Or? No, I'm just, uh, I, I can still hear you. I'm just okay. intently listening to what you're saying because yeah. it's yeah. really, thank you for sharing. I love, <laughs> I loved hearing all of that because yeah, if you, have you seen the documentary 13th on Netflix? Yeah, I saw that a long time ago. Yeah, I saw, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's definitely good. It talks a lot about the systematic racism for sure in a, in a very in-depth way. Yeah, there's a lot of resource. There are a lot of resources that are becoming, um, that are being pushed to the common eye, I feel like, more so now mm -hmm. online. And it's so awesome how, because I'm learning a lot about Black history that I didn't know, mm -hmm. which, like, I didn't know about the riots in Tulsa. I didn't know about yeah. how, I didn't know how in deeply corrupt our like i knew our prison system was corrupt i didn't know how corrupt it was and i feel like just learning about that history alone has helped me just become more empathetic and understanding and also helped inspire me to try to be anti-racist mm -hmm. yeah. and uh have you posted the interview with your dad yeah i have actually i posted it all yeah i did it was uh it's um he just talks about his like his story about coming into canada and just kind of parenting me and and all that stuff and then going to uh, like he even mentioned that he um he volunteered to be a police uh volunteer uh at my hometown because he's he he was stopped many times so he wondered why he was being stopped so he joined them <laughs> so he joined he just wanted to volunteer and then he said they stopped joining uh stopping him and i was like i'm thinking like i don't like you know that for somebody to do that just so they can be stopped uh for so that they can not get harassed anymore is something like what a you know thing to do just for that you know and he was telling me that um he just felt embarrassed all the time, always felt ashamed. And he, he said he couldn't really fight it because it's like, you know, black guy going into like, you know, he claimed mm -hmm. that, you know, they're well, stopping me many times. Why is he stopping me many times? Like he, they can't really do much. He can't really do much. So I don't know, I guess his own thing was let me volunteer for the, for, you know, the police. And, uh, you know, he doesn't, you know, but I wouldn't do what he, what he did. And uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. I'm sure a lot of people are 
perhaps exhausted to see all this stuff by now. And I know that there's posts, you know, saying, hey, just because no one's talking about it, it's still happening. Um, so I, I, I kind of, I don't know, maybe I haven't really tested the waters yet. I find out maybe a lot of people are probably getting really exhausted by it. But then again, hey, aren't we all, aren't people exhausted by seeing all this dreadfulness and people being killed put by, by officers who abuse their power, you know? So, you know, I'm not really worried about that. What's your, um, what do you think of, uh, cause you are in the Southern state. So Southern state. So, I mean, I feel like my mind is thinking the South, the more South you go, the more racist. Hey, um, yes. So thank you for sharing because I and I do want to hear more about your experience with what's been going on. And yeah, I just I feel for you. I feel for everyone with what's going on. And with it being in the South, first of all, like being white in the South is you when it's a process to waking up to what's going on. Like you're not taught. Like, I wasn't taught when I was younger about, like, I was told, like, slaves are suddenly free, and they all became indentured servants, and were all paid for their work. You know, I didn't know about Juneteenth. I didn't learn about that. I learned about Martin Luther King, and we talked about Martin Luther King every year, but in, like, a couple of, like, you know, Black history highlights, but not any of the ones that, well, yeah, a couple of the ones that promoted social change, but not any of like the really important dates in black history and the events and it's mind-blowing to wake up to that because i have been dialoguing about race and socioeconomic status and ethnicity and religion all that fun stuff for years and i did not know that and so i feel like it's part waking up to it it's hard in the south because not a lot of people want to talk about it and dialogue is so important when you're doing in this process talking to people that have different experiences than you and not only talking but listening to not only understand but be changed by what you hear and then it's also a re-education part and when, what you said earlier about you being exhausted with trying to explain how it's not just a a solitary event it's an accumulation of events over the past year is like yeah man i i understand that it it's really exhausting and as a white person you're not aware i wasn't aware originally how exhausting it was because i don't have to confront it on a daily basis but so a lot of activists are talking about it a lot and are bringing it up a lot i mean my facebook feed has been just post after post about it and i have experienced people who do not want to talk about it at all and are just sick of it but i did and one of the posts i saw earlier was like if you're so sick of hearing about all these racial issues in the united states how do you think it is to be the target of them like how do you think it is to be a black per how do you think it feels to be a black person in america and it's and then there's like a lot of people in the South that are like, oh, I'm not racist because I don't lynch anyone. I don't like go after and attack black people. And which requires more education behind because there is like overt 
racism, which is that, and then there was covert racism, which is like redlining and mm-hmm. um, denying white, denying that you have white privilege. And yeah, there's like a, uh, I gotta find the, I gotta find the resource on it because there's like a whole diagram that lists all of them, and it's so fascinating. Yeah, I, I just, I find it that everything is everyone's talking about everything now right because i've had these discourse with people in my you know circle of friends or um at school my classroom what i was taking you know social sciences and all that so even just talking to your professors and just doing research and 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 reading all these articles and doing essays for school uh stuff but like i've been in this kind of world in this perspective for a while and now everyone is talking about it everyone is starting to learn about what this is and what that is and i'm like oh yeah this is this is what it is and this does exist and you have to go and research there are a lot of things there for people to read and i know a lot of people have the the opinions on it but like sometimes you can have your opinions but your opinions are not reality right yeah those are not facts so I respect your opinion, but at the end of the day, when you go and sleep, things are still happening. When you stop talking, things are still happening. Mm-hmm. When, when you don't have an opinion, things are still happening. So it doesn't matter what you say. If it fits to what is the fact, then there's something much bigger and louder. But, it, you know, it's good to have your opinions. But at the end of the day, if you don't say, if you think, hey, um, there's no such thing as systematic racism. Then I go, sir, that is your opinion. But, you know, you can go and sleep. You can go and do your thing, but it still exists. So no matter what you say, you know, I will listen. I'll, I'll, I hear you, but it's, I'm, it's not sinking into me. So please go on and, you know, do your own thing. Because there's just so much that a lot of people are saying now online. And it's, again, it's just tiring. You just don't want to get into it. And you just, you just don't, I don't know. You just, yeah. (laughs) So what's really interesting is, so my twin sister actually is on the opposite political spectrum as I am. And we have been getting into a lot of fights recently because I've been wanting to talk about what's going on with my family and like, and stuff and my mom is the kind of person that when you say black lives matter she says all lives matter and my twin sister is the kind of person that doesn't really believe white privilege exists or it's as systemic as i'm saying it is and it's and and granted my twin sister is one of the more open-minded conservatives but it's still frustrating because that kind of mindset is what perpetuates our whole society. And when I realized like how entrenched the United States was in white supremacy, like I was shocked. And that's what, and I feel like educating other people who don't know about this is not the responsibility of people of color. Because, like, y'all have been going through it for way too long. We just need to educate ourselves and, like, grow the fuck up. 
that is um <clears throat> that's very interesting i totally forgot that you are i didn't really know if you were a twin but wow isn't that interesting how you that is happening in your in your own circle and yeah i guess you get that sometimes in family right you don't always agree with things but that must be like very interesting to kind of debate your opinions to someone like your sister and the, do so when you're when you're having these social discourse with family members or friends do you do you find that just talking to them do you think you can convince them or at least kind of open their eyes a little bit like what are you trying to do when you're speaking to people who don't agree with you so speaking to family is very very hard because it gets very emotional and i like i have some rough relationships with my family personally that makes communication a bit harder so and when i tried to start talking about these issues like i was kind of going in a little bit heated and not approaching it in a way that was constructive to dialogue which is on me but also um it's really hard because it to have a constructive dialogue you need it's like there's like this checklist that you need and if you don't meet the checklist then you can't really have a constructive dialogue and i'm finding it because i screenshotted it the other day you screenshot it you screenshot something oh yeah um it's on my phone though oh i see yeah i'm trying to find it because it was a good little checklist on like hey like if you want to have a dialogue with someone about these topics right now like look at this checklist first and if you don't meet the checklist you can't really have a constructive dialogue mm -hmm. the, the, yeah while you look at that while you find that i'm just thinking about like um I, I i don't think i think things are really unraveling a lot i think there's there's so many opportunities that a lot of things can go wrong with what's happening with you know the whole racial tension and brutal murders and then you have the whole COVID 19 stuff happening <sighs> feels like there's going to be a bomb that's going to set off and it's like ticking clock da, 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 da. like when is it gonna <laughs> you just want it to just let like it... when are we going to catch a break exactly exactly i find that... i mean yeah go ahead yeah no go mm -hmm. ahead uh, yeah now you go ahead i'm still looking okay i was just thinking like um i found that the, i found that i i i find that america is Fucking crazy, man. It is nuts, yeah. man. It is nuts. I mean, we have our freaking issues. You got our issues is that it's very like especially with racism, you it's not as right in your face, right? Mm -hmm. But in America, it's like they do not shy about it at all. They're not shy, especially in the South. They're like, like I remember watching this video of this person going, um, like, yeah, we had slaves. Like, the slaves, we, we, we gave them clothes. We gave them a roof, you know? Like, <laughs> they, like delusional. Like, you know, mm. if we weren't there, where would they be going? Like, 
it's like what well first of all you took them from africa and <laughs> I right i don't know there's some crazy that's not just in the states that's probably anywhere but it's yeah i i I feel like i want to call up my friend who's um she's getting her phd in clinical psychology right now and i just want to be like what do you think psychologically about the reactions going on because it's to me it feels like there's just a resistance to evaluate yourself and like your flaws and it comes from a sense of pride but there also might be something else going on that i don't i'm not completely aware of you know yeah and i found the um checklist and it's titled when does dialogue work well a checklist for assessing dialogue is the best strategy for a given situation and it and the list goes those the check is those involved are dialoguing willingly and intentionally no one is surprised at the goal it's mutually beneficial to be in dialogue toward needed action there isn't another obvious action to take and if there is then do that <laughs> um there's like a little asterisk there the next one, people are holding their views lightly without strong urges to keep them or shift others' views. And no one is hostile, dehumanizing, invasive, or invalidating slash competing. And that's what makes it hard to for me to dialogue with my family right now. Like, I realize I don't think this conversation is going to be constructive because it's, we're, go we're going to get hostile. Like, we're... And my sister and I were really competitive and we aren't holding our views lightly. I have a hard time agreeing to disagree with her because this is a human rights issue and she sees it as solely a political issue. It gets emotional. I think it's the, that's the hardest part is like you do get emotional when you are debating, when you feel very, um, you know, strong about a certain thing that you believe in. And when you, when you're having a conversation with family, it does get really complicated, right? So how do mm -hmm. you just, how do you detach yourself from having the dialogue and being emotional, right? So that is the hardest thing. It's like very disciplined to be just focused on the actual thing that you're saying instead of being emotional about it because it, it will, it won't go well, right? Um, yeah. And it's hard because I feel like it's almost like my duty to the movement to talk to my family about these tough topics but it, it it's complicated because it's my family and like relationships are at stake almost yeah but then all i also feel like that's kind of a cop-out too so i don't know i guess it's definitely important to have your family understand the point of view on things that you know that you deeply deeply feel that matters and that it's going towards humanity right it's going towards having like a better place to live you know people start thinking more broadly more you know sensitive and more passionate and compassion and rational it, it has a good benefit towards our society so starting from home you want that to happen you want people to may not always agree with you but at least kind of see that okay i can understand what you're saying you know um where if it's somebody who's just completely ignoring you and not wanting to hear you out is a very difficult situation to be in yeah and also it depends on if your family environment is safe enough to even have conversations to that 
emotional degree, you know? Like not all ha- not all families and households are safe enough to even have that conversation, which is really sad. Yeah, I I tend to. I know with my family, I find that my family is very quite open to dialogue. They're very like straight up, mm-hmm. and we say things that may hurt somebody, but like we tend to try to not, you know, be overly you know mean to each other (laughs) but like still at the same time we have a dialogue and we we approach things delicately as much as we can and i agree with you it is tough to not have a dialogue and then you keep it inside and you talk to your friends and you're kind of wondering what your family really thinks yeah that's really tough sometimes i um why is it important for you though as somebody who is a white girl in the south in Florida, um, grew up, you know, in the South, really. Like, how do you, what makes you kind of take the, the, this kind of approach than your sister? Like, what, what is it that makes it different for you? And what, why does it matter for you, if you don't mind me asking, if this makes sense, if, if that question makes sense at all? Yeah, no, it does. Um, yeah. It matters to me because I I feel so when so I started learning about white privilege and rate and like the true reality of racism in this country uh, about like six years ago when I was in a dialogue group and we were supposed to talk we were prompted to talk about these issues and what's going on in our personal experiences so I got to hear a lot of experiences that weren't my own that were indicative that white privilege existed in America and that a lot of people had used white privilege in, in America to hurt people of color. And I I don't know why I feel so strongly. I don't know why I feel differently than my sister does about this. I just feel like I have a responsibility to help, you know, because I am descended from people that came on the Mayflower. Like I'm descended from the freaking white people that started like all this bullshit. So I feel like I have a job to help in any way I can, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you, yeah, you, you're doing things too also to help, to help people. Cause you're in the health. Um, yeah. You're, like I care uh-huh. about other people, like hearing about all this stuff going on. I mean, compared to like 20, not 20, um, compared to like before we had technology, like, we were we weren't able to see these um acts of racism and now with all the cameras all the phones all the computers and technology like it's able to be showcased more and a lot of people are like hey like this is what's going on in our country and oh man i don't know where i was going with that that's that was a weird train but no it's okay i think and yeah go (laughs) and just seeing it and growing up and seeing it it's you know it's heartbreaking and i I have a friend that lives in Atlanta and I was talking to him about it and I, well, at first I was asking him if he was okay because he lives in downtown Atlanta and it was when the protests were really getting getting violent and I was asking him like, hey, are you okay? Like, how are you feeling? And he says, honestly, it's really depressing that I see, it's really depressing that I feel like most people in this country want me dead because I am black and what my family did. And that's really fucking heartbreaking to hear and I I just want to help people not feel that way Mm -hmm. 
like everyone deserves to feel like they have a they are welcomed wherever they are yeah i think i don't know i think it just it, i think they yeah, the best thing to do is like you you want you want to have a peaceful world i mean who doesn't want a peaceful world obviously people who want destruction right but i think i i want to say i think most people want peace mm-hmm. um so i mean i i i wonder who your friend i wonder how he is doing he's been okay i've been keeping up with him you know he's been he's been um like the whole like with everything going on that's a depressing factor but besides that i think he's doing pretty well that's good yeah last time i talked to him you know just taking it one day at a time Mm-hmm. which I feel like a lot of people are doing right now. And I also, my memory is like spacing out right now. My brain, I'm just having like brain farts. I'm sorry. Oh, um, but all the time. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Take your time. What was I going to say? God. Uh. It's okay. Take your time. It's all good. <laughs> all good. Mm, I forgot. Oh, well, it'll come to me probably later i think um well yeah i'm I'm glad that he is doing okay and everything and i can't imagine living in that world right now like just myself being black man and i can't i'm so i'm kind of happy and glad that i kind of live in canada in some ways but like canada obviously has so much problems with their with our crazy racism too as well and you know indigenous people and and uh you know yeah 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 it's i feel like people in power i think human beings are very we're very easy corrupted when we have power so i mean it takes a really strong person to not be corrupted it really does it really, I agree with that. really does and who who are those people what kind of people have that are people with the strong values and morals i mean that can help um yeah but like when people come, like when you get into power and like you got this power to do this, you know, you can abuse it. And I feel like people who are in the police force can do that. People in politics can do that. People in your own work, work uh, space can do that. Bosses, supervisors. So there's something with the power, power dynamic that we need to have a, obviously a dialogue with too and kind of insect what is happening in our world, in our society, in our communities, in our own spaces. Like who is who is doing what and why are they doing it? So I don't know a whole lot about Canadian history, honestly, but from an American perspective and in American history, um, white like it was white men who started the American Revolution and revolted against Britain and it was white men who drafted the constitution and declared that a slave is three-fifths of a person. And even with the 13th Amendment, when they abolished slavery, um, it was the, there was an exemption for it being as a punishment to crime. And so when you have a country that was built on Puritan ideals run and the rules are created by Christian white men, it's, it kind of, like, over time, 
it's really hard to change that structure because the people in power want to keep their power. And when you're able to build a country with your own best interests in mind and not really thinking about, you know, the slaves that you own, it really kind of puts it into perspective and it's like, yeah, like you understand why our country is the way it is because it was created that way. Yeah, it's, it's built on labor and sweat and and blood and tears and blood and blood and tears and sweat. Yeah, it's it's built on really horrible, 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 just crazy shit. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of places that uh, like a lot of you know those uh, colonialism people from the European countries and stuff started to do all that, and it it's yeah, there's crazy, crazy amount of devastating history and what what is that going to do to the people right later mm. on in generations so it's um some i feel like history is repeating itself i feel like you know if the 60s had social media it would be like this almost right it'd be like constantly people talking and <laughs> you know yeah like, yeah like i think we this is like our 60s with this whole riots and you know and and but it's it's a new twist with this whole disease this whole new virus um it's a crazy crazy time we're we're going through we're going through something man and it's going to be very interesting to see how the world comes out on the other side of it um on a kind of related note but also a random question have you seen frozen 2 no i haven't seen frozen 2 why (laughs) so one of like something I really love to do personally is I, so I'm a Disney fan and I also like watching children's movies just to kind of see psychologically what messages are trying to portray. And Frozen 2, when you really look at it, is super political and it's beautiful. And it talks about how and it literally like talks about how you had white people come in and infringe on an indigenous community and oppress them and kill. And it's, it's insane. And at the end of the movie, like, it's just, you just have to see it. It's so good. Frozen 2 has like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it? Wow. Okay. I'll, I'll check on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really heartwarming to see that stuff like that with those kind of messages that say, Hey, this, this thing is bad. Mm-hmm. Like oppressing people who are different than you is bad. Yeah. I, I, this, the, um, the Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre thing. I wanted to like jump quickly on that because you mentioned it and I, it just reignited my memory a little bit. I'm, I didn't even know about that. I didn't even know about that. You know, I'm, I, I'm learning, I've learned it from all the social media posts and stuff. So, uh, but once I kind of saw some, some of the stuff there, I was like, holy, what the, you know, like, what the hell? It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, I pulled up the Tulsa Historical Society Museum page on it, if you want me to read from that real quick. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, so, um, 
1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. It was an attack on Greenwood, which was one of the most significant, it was one of the most significant events in Tulsa's history. Um, following World War I, Tulsa was recognized nationally for its affluent African-American community, known as the Greenwood District. This thriving business district and surrounding residential area was referred to as Black Wall Street. In June 1921, a series of events nearly destroyed the entire Greenwood area. On the morning of May 30th, 1921, a young black man named Dick Rowland was riding in the elevator in the Drexel building at 3rd and Main when, with a white woman named Sarah Page. The details of what followed, followed vary from person to person. Accounts of, the, of an incident circulated among the city's white community during the day and became more exaggerated with each telling. Tulsa police arrested Roland the following day and began an investigation. An inflammatory report in the May 31st edition of the Tulsa Tribune spurred a confrontation between black and white armed mobs around the courthouse where the sheriff and his men had barricaded the top floor to protect Roland. Shots were fired and the outnumbered African-Americans began retreating into the Greenwood district. In the early morning hours of June 1st, 1921, Greenwood was looted and burned by white rioters. Governor Robertson declared martial law and National, and National Guard troops arrived in Tulsa. Guardsmen assisted firemen in putting out fires, took African-Americans out of the hands of white vigilantes, and imprisoned all Black Tulsans not already interned. Over 6,000 people were held at the convention hall in the fairgrounds, some for as long as eight days. 24 hours after the violence erupted, it ceased. In the wake of the violence, 35 city blocks lay in charred ruins. Over 800 people were treated for injuries and contemporary reports of death began at 36. Historians now believe as many as 300 people may have died. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All because of uh, some two, two, two people, one white, one black in an elevator. And then it was an incident. I, I'm kind of, there's a little fuzzy on that. People are a little fuzzy on the history. Yeah, they don't really go into that. I'm going to look at that. Yeah. But, I, and you know what, I, and I did read like, yeah, they were after that, the black boy, and then, you know what, they went all off with everybody, so. So he was arrested for assault, hmm. and allegedly, you know, like, yeah. obviously, it's all fuzzy, and they don't really have a lot of clear evidence, but he was arrested for assault against this white woman, and since they were, they were the only two people in the elevator, you know, it's kind of the he said, she said situation. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because that happens a lot in these cases. I'm, I'm glad that you read that. It's, um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It, it's, you know, it is tough to read all these things and see them, but in, in the, the good news is that it's, it's being learned. You know, it's being opened. It's, we're unveiling all these things. So I'm happy with that. Now, what do we do with this information? What do we do with history? What, what do we do from there? That's the key. You know, that is the, the main message is what do we learn from our history? What do we learn from the history? So, I don't know. Maybe don't attack black people or people of color. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Mm. I always wonder what America would look like if, because I read this post a while ago about how if China didn't gear back on being so dominant in trade in the ancient world, then we would probably, you know, instead of the United States being 
a big superpower like it would china would be like the one colonizing and i've always wondered what life would look like if that was the case i mean not saying it would be any better or worse but you know it's really interesting when you look at history and i feel like for me the lesson is you know like keep fighting oppression keep fighting people against people who discriminate against others for their race religion hair you you name it it's all it's all about power man it's all about power it's all about wanting more and then what do you do with power how do you how do you treat power it's like it's like fire you know it just spreads and someone like fire is very destructive power can be destructive um power can feel good it can you know make you feel untouchable but it it can burn you it definitely can and it can burn people around you if if you're you know not doing it properly and i i'm just really looking in depth with what is happening it's all about power and people are scared of power and you have um the ones who are in power are scared and they don't want to let their power go. I feel like the response to corrupt leaders in the society is first off for more younger generations to learn about leadership and leadership theory and like compassionate leadership. And, and I've studied a couple, I took a like two leadership theory classes in college. And from what I learned, uh, a good leader is a representation of the group they're leading and they listen to who they're representing and guides them towards the change that they want. And I feel like as a white person, like I can't go to the police and tell them like what they need to change. I feel like I need to hear it from the black community and then relay that because how do I know? what should change if I'm not experiencing the, like what they're rioting about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You need to, you need a person or two people or something to kind of go about those things. How do you manage the hurt of people who are experiencing these things? And how do you manage the criticism of the people's reaction? Oh, they're rioting. Well, why are they rioting? Well, they're doing this because of what's been happening and they're tired of it. And then you have people who are peacefully protesting and then people are upset with that. So, you you know, it trickles from the top, it trickles from the top. It really does. It really, 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 really does in some ways because either you can't inspire, you can't inspire to be this person person who's in the white house you can't inspire to be him he uh-huh. he is not a leader he is not a leader he's not oh my god he's not he's not a leader and um i don't i don't know i don't know i definitely know that i think because his it's what's keeping him alive is his supporters and uh they're going to reelect him because of that so well it's we'll have really we'll have, uh-huh. It's really interesting because I, from what I know, the demographic of his supporters, a lot of them are older and in that population that develop a lot of harmful complications to the coronavirus. Yeah. And I'm just like, and you don't want to wear a mask? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, as we yeah, well I I don't know, man. It sounds like a circus. It sounds like a circus. And nobody I'm sure everybody's really sick of him on the media right by now. I don't I'm sure even if you're not even paying attention to politics, just seeing him just probably makes you go, oh, blah, blah, blah. oh yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. God. Yeah. I, I think what I posted the first the day after the election was y'all had to give the loud yam a nuke. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're okay, right? You're I mean it is crazy over there in the state of Florida. You know, I'm just trying not to get the coronavirus and just trying to do my part to be actively anti racist and just also just try to survive. So yeah, I'd say I'm it's not just yeah we it's also playing a part it's not just one-sided i think it's multiple uh communities need to kind of work together and see what's happening and hear hear what's happening because this is definitely a team effort this is not individual and it's not and i i want to stress that people who are um posting things or have have an opinion it's okay to have an opinion and I, I want people to voice their opinions. And if they are ignorant about it, it doesn't mean that they want to stay ignorant. Sometimes they want to change their views and learn something new. And that comes with me too. So it's it's not trying to put people down when you you don't agree with them. I think it's just giving them a voice, giving them, trying to hear them out. And being respectful too, it does go a long way it does last longer a conversation will last longer if you're respectful with each other so i think if you're willing and if you have the patience i think it's good to have that um time and space to have a dialogue with people who may not agree with you absolutely absolutely and it and when having a dialogue it's important to you know stick with i statements and try to speak from your own experiences instead of because what's interesting is that there's debate and there's dialogue like i would say a lot of the conversation i get in with my family is mostly debate style not dialogue and because debate is trying to prove the other person wrong and trying to like bring in facts whereas dialogue's more so just listening to other people talk and say their experiences and you just actively listening to them and opening your mind and heart to what they're saying yeah yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that's a. I agree, I would agree with that. Yeah, I definitely would. I um, I'm kind of like, huh, I I feel like it, it's like um, just going back to family dynamics. It's very interesting to like talk to people, and I'm sure you will learn a lot from family too, right? Like what what they have to say, and even if you don't agree with them, it's you know, it's just a process that you have to go through. And at the end of the day, you know, you guys love each other, so it's not like oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm I'm just happy that you're okay, and I don't want to keep you on forever because I I don't know if you have anything else. But thank you. Are you okay? Have you been good? Yeah. Thanks. For- <laughs> That's nice of you to ask. I'm I'm okay. Um, I'm okay. I'm trying to, you know, just do this thing. I think it helps to do.
do podcasting with people I know or may not know and have a dialogue and share it with other people and they can talk about it too if they want. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to keep busy and be positive and learn and, you know, just. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, Good I'm for gla- you, man. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that you came on. Uh, I, I thank you again for taking the time to talk to me and and to share your ideas and opinions and thoughts and, um, you know, on this platform. So I will keep in touch with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And thank you for sharing and thank you for having me on. Like, I'm, I'm always down to just talk about this stuff. Nice. Nice. And I, I, uh, I, I would like to have... Um, somebody on that we who went to the Harvard conference I would like to have both of you guys on she, I think she's from Maine I think or something but she, yeah she's I don't know we'll talk about that another time but it would be kind yeah. of cool to have both both of you guys on and then we will maybe talk and see how that goes but yeah sounds good sounds like a plan right. I'm down for it all right I will talk to you soon talk to you soon have a great day you have too. a great Sunday you too